Welcome to ATL and 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. We are two days away from the draft, and I'm here again with Tyler Jones. Tyler, what are you going to do on draft night? Where are you going to um, be? On draft, I'm probably going to be at home. Uh, not Honestly, I might not even watch the draft. I might just throw on a movie or something because I, I don't care for the pageantry. I'll just watch it on Twitter and then hear the reactions on uh, later podcasts or whatever. Um, I don't know. The, the actual, like, the, the televised draft uh, <laughs> is not interesting to me. Um, I'm just, like, especially the one on ESPN. Like, the, the the weird thing is you get, like, you get way better commentary on the draft on uh, ESPN radio. I don't know if uh, Ryan Rosillo is going to be doing it anymore, but, you know, just – it, you're like if you're if you're following the draft and you're interested and you want like good informed opinion, right? You're you're probably going to want to uh, just find um, you know a bunch of a bunch of sites do live streams of draft. Now you're gonna want to go to a third party because ESPN it's just a it's just a bloated mess <laughs> and it, I, like I'm like it has to be that way. ESPN pays a lot of money for you know in, rights to the NBA, so of course they're gonna they're going to up the pageantry, but you know, they, there's only so much basketball. They talk during those productions and you can just, I don't know. You can just get uh, more, uh, not necessarily informed, but just more detailed uh, analysis of draft picks, you know, online through somebody's through uh, either on the radio or on, um, you know, some, Somebody's going to have a live podcast going who's good at their job. Uh, but uh, other than that, uh, like I said, I'm probably going to be watching a movie during the time, though, because, I, I, man, I just I just want to see Woj. I just want to see Woj on timeline, who the Hawks we are, and keep my life going because I'm, I'm done with this draft. It's, I, I've, it's been – so I've been a Hawks fan. This is It's been a while since the Hawks have had a high lottery pick, and I've forgotten just how – just how this entire process is a drain because I, I don't know about you, but I feel like you got you to gotta read every single rumor, whether it's relevant or not, just to stay as informed as possible. So uh, let me put this out there. Actually, a couple of things. The first one is uh, how about the Yahoo streaming uh, coverage of the draft? That's going to have former Hawks general manager Wes Wilcox. Maybe tune into that one and see if he drops some more stories. He probably, <laughs> he probably will. Um, West is a good. West is good. Uh, I've actually, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure you know this more than me. But you know, every time I hear him, you know, speak for uh, talking about basketball talk, he's like he's a fun listen. So, like I said, you know, ESPN check on on television is not the way to go maybe something on the radio or maybe they do something online or something but just find out <laughs> alternative people trust me you'll, right. you'll you'll be you'll be better for it and and a second thing uh how about you know if, if you're not tuning in for all of the draft maybe hanging around for the first three picks just to see who comes out at number three you think you I think you get that far um <sighs> It, it, 
depends on who they pick there. Let's just put it that way. You know, I if you follow me on Twitter, I have faves and and a guy I don't want for the Hawks to draft at three. Uh, so if they if they pick if they pick the man I want, yeah, I'll be I'll be tuning in. Just you know, I, I think they're winning right now, so hopefully he'll be there. I'm you know I think I think, I they think just you won. know that I'm a Luke. I think they yeah, think it's yeah. over. Nice. So Luka Doncic Luka is a Doncic. Spanish champion. Yeah. Spoiler alert. That's that's who I want the Hawks to take at three if he's there. But uh, so so if the Hawks take him, then yeah, I'm gonna be plugged in uh, to ESPN. <laughs> but if not, then I'm I'm just gonna be very boring and uh, watch a movie or something. Cause be like uh, Mo Bamba. Uh, hopefully he can turn turn it around on the offense. But uh, nah, nah, nah. But uh. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a draft, man. The NFL draft is worse, but it, I it's not real basketball, you know. I want to watch. I want to watch the games, and you know the draft is just a big old pageantry for the NBA to chill out more content for us. Uh, speaking of content, uh, it just dawned on me yesterday that in between. This draft and Utah Summer League, which is really right around the corner, we also get the award show. We have no idea who the MVP of the 2017-18 season that seems like it was eight years ago actually is. You want to? <laughs> I just went through talking about meaningless pageantry in the NBA draft. You want to talk about something that's actually like that? All right, I lied. That that is the most like the the NBA award show award show in which we all know who wins which award because spoiler the votes are are public so people have already done the tallies on who won uh yeah that's that's even less exciting because the worst thing is that the guys who know they didn't win don't even show up so (laughs) because i mean why i mean if you're lebron why would you show up to something if you're not gonna win anything yeah because it's just it's just another it's it's actual pageantry with zero, like zero commentary or new content that is interesting to me. I def like that's a hard since I guess we're doing what are you gonna watch? I'm definitely not gonna be watching that. All right, so uh, the Hawks have uh, four draft picks in this draft. Can they get four All Stars? <laughs> uh, never that's know. Not, that's know? not gonna happen, right? What's what's a realistic expectation for these other three picks? Statistically, it's improbable. Uh, the most likely thing, I de- the most likely thing is uh, the Hawks out of the four draft picks combined, they get one starter and uh, maybe two bench players. Maybe being generous, uh, you know, at nineteen, thirty, and thirty-four at the bottom, so you really. You're really just looking for guys who are gonna, you know, who are gonna make it to their second contract. Um, and honestly, at thirty and thirty-four, you're probably just looking for guys who are gonna make it past uh, the renewal phase, where um, you know, after every year, a contract has to be renewed. Um, well, for a first-round pick, it's after the first two years. You know, right. you know, at thirty, you just you just want a talent to say, all right, we can take a chance on the third year and guarantee that year. And then go forward to the fourth year and do the same as well. Right. Uh, Thirty-four. You just 
He's just looking for a guy who can make it to the next season. Uh, that's just how – I mean, the NBA NBA is a tough league. And while this is a pretty talented draft, especially in the back end, a lot of wings and guards who project to be decent role players, you know, if you look, at, if you look back on draft history, it's just you, you're, you're really lucky to get – you're really lucky just to get an NBA basketball player who, who has a five- to seven-year career. Um, so hopefully the Hawks do that with all three of their, uh, all three of those picks, 19, 30 and 34, but you know, it's not likely. Uh, so just, if you're a Hawks fan, just understand and set your expectations accordingly. All right. Well, to frame this discussion, I suggested that we each come up with a couple of players who we would be happy to see the Hawks pick at 19, 30 and 34. As well mm-hmm. as someone who, if their name gets called in these spots, you might moan or groan a little bit. Uh, Want to start with 19? Who are a couple of guys that if, if they made it to 19 and the Hawks picked them, you'd be pretty pleased about? Uh, Kevin Herter and DeAnthony Melton. Oh. Uh, they just, yeah, I, um, I'm really high on Melton. I actually think, uh, uh, if he if he played the full season this year, he would have been. I, I feel like he would have been running as a lottery uh, talent because uh, he's he's really talented, especially defensively. His his honestly his main issue uh, his one year at USC uh, was that he was a poor shooter, but you know his uh, race statistics, passing, steals, blocks were high for guard and. He's got the size six three with a six eight wingspan, around one ninety ish. Just you know, he's got the profile of uh, of a defensive guard, and you know, as the Celtics have shown this, you know, this past, you know, their playoff run was built based on the backs of their guards. Just you couldn't get by them, and so they, if you can get a guard that can cut off dribble penetration, that's that's major for a defense. That that frees up. I mean, that just helps. That helps your bigs so much be able to just not have to worry constantly about about the guards getting beat but instead being an asset on defense. Okay. So Melton was here. Melton was in with the Hawks a couple of weeks ago. We asked him about his shooting and uh, here's what he said. Drew Hanlon? Yeah, okay. So I've been working with him a lot on my shot. Uh, my shot feels better. Uh, I feel like I shot pretty well today and you know I've been working on it a lot, so I'm really proud, you know, to see the ball go in the basket. What are some of the specific things that feel better? I mean, what, what have you been working on with the shot? Like the uh, just, you know, getting it out in front of me, mm-hmm. uh, not dipping so low, and, you know, getting it up quicker because, you know, you have seven-footers, 6'10", like 6'8", dudes running out with, uh, like running at you, so you learn how to get your shot off quick and, you know, just getting more efficient. When you watch NBA games, is there one player you say, "Oh, I want to take this from his game and try to try to do what he does or steal a little bit of their"? Uh, well, the players I like to watch are John Wall, Avery Bradley, um, Marcus Smart, uh, Dwayne Wade, players like that. You know, that get it done on both ends because I feel like I can get it done on both ends of the floor, and you know, um, they do that at an exceptional rate. So. I think that's really special, and people don't realize how hard that is. So I think I really admire those players. So one of the players that Melton mentioned there was Marcus Smart. And you, you know, going into that, you were saying that 
you know, the Celtics were the model for what you would hope for Melton is that he could stop dribble penetration. Is is he kind of a fit in that Marcus Smart mold? Is that a fair comparison? Because I know I wouldn't want to pay Marcus Smart's next contract, but he did do a lot of things in the playoffs. And <laughs> if I could get my hands on the I next think, Marcus Smart, I really would like to. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. Because I think we were about to have our first disagreement. I honestly, I would love for the Hawks to get Marcus Smart on a relatively cheap contract. Okay. Which they might be able to do if, if the Celtics are on a squeeze. But that's another topic for another day. But, man, Marcus Smart, like you hate watching him play if he's against your team. But sure. if you're a neutral – He's a killer. I don't like that's a, he's a killer defensively. I'm not sure Melton will reach that heights because I mean Marcus Smart is insane defensively. I, it's hard to it's hard to pin anybody on that, but a fair comparison is probably more on the in lines of Terry Rozier. Okay. Uh for the Celtics. Uh just solid, you know. Uh if you watch the uh, Hawks this past season, or I mean even this past four or five seasons, one of the biggest weaknesses has been Guards giving up dribble penetration, and we really haven't had a. Uh, I mean, we've had for stretches, you know, guards who will come in and really lock down defensively and right. fight over screens and whatnot. But you know, if you can get one of those, and who also you know can you know run the offense and hit an open three, that's that's a heck of a basketball player. And you know, Mel Melton's got the age and the upside to me. Where if he's at nineteen, the Hawks will be happy, lucky to uh, pick him up. But uh, I agree. Yeah, I was, I I was going to mention Melton further in the draft because I thought he might last longer and that the Hawks might get him with one of their other two picks. So I, I, I kind of feel the same way as you. I mean, and I agree with you with everything you said about Marcus Smart. I just, it seems like with that kind of player, when they get a little bit older, it's harder because of injuries. He's not, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have the, the size. I know he has the motor, but sometimes the, the body isn't as, as willing as it was when you were younger, but he's fantastic. So you also mentioned Kevin Herter. What about what about him? What, what did you see in his game that that intrigues you for the Hawks to use their uh, their nineteen pick on him? Well, let's start with how I found out who Kevin Herter was. So, okay. Um, I was watching the you know NBA draft combine, the scrimmage or whatever, and this lanky white kid kept making great plays on offense. Like he did, he kept. Uh, just making the right read off the dribble, and I was like, "Who is this dude?" Because he's not—he's not Dante Divincesno, but he's playing better than he is, and uh, he's taller. So, like, who is he? And everybody, and you know, draft Twitter came out about like, "Hey, Kevin Herter, we've been high on Kevin Herter all year. He, you know, he was uh, shot forty plus percent from three deep range, can pass a bit, uh, dribble." Uh, Sneaky athletic, love that term for my, uh, you know, for my white guys. <laughs> no, but uh, no, he's not out. He's just it's a whatever. It, he he's he's fun. I I I'd, I'd love for the Hawks to get him just because of his shot profile and his and his size. He's a uh, you know six seven, and when you're six seven and you're a knockdown shooter, uh, you know, you're gonna have a long. It's just easier for you to get open three-point shots. Uh, you see that with uh, the best shooters in the, in the NBA today, like Kyle Korver and Clay Thompson. Now, I don't think he's that good uh, just because defensively he's pretty weak. Uh, both both physically he's weak and like his defensive metrics aren't great. 
Right. Uh, he doesn't. He didn't get. He didn't generate many steals and blocks in Maryland, but you know, he he has he has the requisite athleticism to be to be solid on defense. Uh, it just you know depends on if he gets put in a good scheme and he puts in the work in the weight room to get to where he needs to be. But I mean, if you can shoot, if you can, sh- if you're not, he, he's probably top three shooter in this draft and. If you can dribble and pass as well, it's just it's invaluable for an offense to have a guy like that. Uh, and he's got okay. deep range as well. So, and you know, that's something the Hawks have been missing uh, uh, is uh, is a wing who can you know. Well, they got it in Torian Prince, but they didn't. That was kind of unexpected. But you know, the more the more big wings that you can get that are just pure dead eye shooters from three. You can never have enough, and if he can if he can get it there defensively, which again, like I said, he he does have the athletic profile to at least be solid on that end. Uh, you know, you know his upside is a, is of a good starter. So, like I'd take him at night nineteen, and again, it's, it's it's the same thing with Melton. He's young. He's actually only nineteen, younger than Mo Bamba. Um, so, I, I know he got he got great measurables, and he's got the age, and that's. That's the when, when you're talking about the draft. That's probably the biggest thing. It's it's really not emphasized enough, really. With um, is that age, because it, I mean it. Stati- it's statistically proven the young the younger a guy comes in the league, the like the better he's likely going to be because he's just going to have the growth and development in the NBA. Where these older guys like take uh, Devin Chesno or Grayson Allen guys who. Who are probably his contemporaries as shooters, but they're older. They're they're already 21 and 22 years old, respectively. And it's there's only so much more growth that those guys have in them compared to somebody like Herder. Yeah, when Her- you you mentioned Herder and, and Clay Thompson, that was one of the names that he mentioned when I asked him when he was here. Uh, you know who he aspired to play like and whose game he wanted to borrow from. When you watch the NBA game, are there any players you look at their game and say, oh, I want to do that, I want to take that from their game, copy it, steal it? Probably a guy like Clay Thompson. Uh, you know, I think he's a lot different from a guy like Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver, is, you know, he's a great three-point shooter. I think Clay Thompson puts the ball on the floor a little bit more. I think he's um, you know, a little bit better taking it to the basket. And so I think I want my game to translate a little bit more towards Clay and um, you know, obviously take some elements of what, of what Korver does too. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a great guy to ball from. Now that said, he probably doesn't have the requisite strength. Clay Thompson is, Clay Thompson is strong. Uh, I, you know, that's not super analytical, but <laughs> that dude, that dude is strong, and Kevin Herter is the opposite of that. He's a very weak dude. Like he needs to work on his core strength, and he has got to get, he's got to add on the weight because at the next level, guys would like. The, the wings and guards in the NBA are just going to bully him uh, if he doesn't. Like, the worst-case scenario for him is that he ends up similar to um, – well, the worst case is that, you know, he dropped out of the league. But Nick Stauskas is a, uh, where, you know, Nick, he's pretty athletic, but Nick's issue is that he's just so physically weak where it's just hard for him to hold up when he's – when he's loading up for his jumper, it's too easy to knock him off the spot. Stuff like that. Gotcha. I don't think. I think he's. I think he's bigger. 
I'm pretty sure he's bigger than Nick, uh, both um, height and uh, weight wise. But um, you know that that's the risk right now because he he is fairly weak. The good news is that he's young, so and he does have the frame of the guy who can add maybe another ten pounds or so. Because uh, if he can just he just has to get stronger, and that's one of those things where. Uh, you don't know what what these guys, what any of these young guys are going to do at you know when they're under twenty and uh, you know they're outside of the college uh, college structure in the NBA because you know they're going to have a lot of downtime and there's a lot of prep work that they got to put in during the off season and during the summer and even during the regular season that you know they might you know you you just don't know if they'll do it or not. Um, depending on the individual's character and that stuff I can't, you know, speak of. I, I don't, I don't know these kids. I don't know sure. these individuals. So, okay. But, you know, hopefully, you know, they all do not just her, but in general, all the potential guys getting drafted because it's, it's a great opportunity for them uh, to play basketball for a living. All right. I got a couple of, uh, possibilities at 19 people that if the Hawks drafted them at 19, I would be, pleasantly surprised maybe this first mm-hmm. one's a reach but I, i'm with you i like the young guys uh i definitely i don't think i want to draft any 22 year olds with this pick but one of the young guys if he's there at 19 zaire smith Ooh, zaire smith is fun the <laughs> like he's a the the knock on him though is that he's not that tall right sure uh, only six four, only one ninety five. That said, uh, he's probably the most athletic player in the draft, um, and that's saying something because Marvin Bagley is in this draft, but he, like, he's just a freak, freak athlete, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of skill development he has to get into his game, but at the moment, he 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 projects to be a, a monster defensively. Uh, the the only issue is that at Texas Tech he did play powerful. He was up, he was their power forward on sure. both ends of the floor. Right. So but it's that's something where that's what Torian Prince was. Difference was that Torian Prince was six eight. Okay. And you know you know But that's the know, adjustment though, he, right? Is he, Yeah. The adjustment it's the adjustment is bigger with Zaire because he's not even a small forward. He doesn't have the build of a small forward. He has the build of a shooting guard, point guard, um, and he 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 has to like when when it when you're downsizing, you have to be more skilled than what he was at Tech. Now he did shoot a good percentage from three, but uh, you know his shot wasn't very uh, versatile. It was very much a catch and shoot, wide open threes with a long release. He has to he just got and he couldn't really dribble all that well um decent passer though he just there's a lot of skill development to go with him but that said if he's there at 19 he's a no-brainer for me uh just because of his athleticism you 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 uh you know he's a he's a he wasn't even a top 100 prospect and he's a one and dunner speaks to both his work work ethic already as a 19 year old and and to his uh, you know his Upside, similar to how John Collins, uh, you know, he was under the radar for, for uh, in high school and got to Wake Forest and really came onto the scene in sophomore year, and the Hawks got lucky with him being there at 19. And if the same thing happened with Zaire Smith. I'm not saying he's going to turn out to be John Collins, 
esque, but it's a similar type of profile where it's a super athlete and you just bank on hey, he was athletic in college, he's super athletic and he was productive, right? He, he was he was all More over the place, um, blocks, steals, right. rebounds, uh, and he, I mean, he's just a monster uh, of an athlete and dunks everything. Can hit an open three pointer, so you ideally. You, you can project, and he's young enough where you can project growth into his game. So, I think I, I, I doubt he drops to nineteen. He, I think he has too much talent. Right. Uh, think- to <laughs> he's a lottery talent, but you know, there, there's a scenario where there's some teams who just pass on just because you know there there is some real risk with him that he's just an athlete, sure. uh, just because of the role he played at Texas Tech, but. I think I, I would gam- I would gamble on him, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. What about Zanon Musa? That's the other guy that, if he was there at nineteen, I wouldn't mind the Hawks taking. I don't know much about Musa. I I do like that he's a prolific scorer um, over in the Serbian league. I believe he's in, which you know, and he's young, so that rates well for him. But I I haven't like I. I haven't watched much tape on him. I just, I just know from what um, you know, guys I trust uh, tell me, which, uh, which is that he's he's a, he's a good scorer. He's a great scorer, especially for his age. But the rest of his game really isn't there, especially defensively. And and again, similar to Herder, he's got to put on weight, right. and and that's like that's probably going to be his biggest hurdle because. You know, you come at the NBA, you know, people talk about it's a grown man league, but <laughs> it is. Right. Uh, yeah, he's kind of 6'9", but he kind of plays hunched over. Like, he doesn't he doesn't play with all that height. Yeah, and he and it's, it's real easy to knock a, knock a dude like that off this spot and just – and that will, that will um, lessen his impact offensively because he, currently he just doesn't – he doesn't project to be much of a defender. Right. Um, I'd, I'd be, I'd be okay with it. I, but, um, I feel like there are, there's, there's going to be a, a good talented basketball player at 19. And I wouldn't take such a risk on Musa who projects that. I, I, I just don't see it with him defensively. Like this, this probably going to be somebody of Troy Brown's caliber there at 19. And that's another guy, the Hawks. The Hawks will be lucky to get. Right. So I, I, there's, there's just to me at 19, there's just too many guys who I, who I feel are going to be better pros than he is. So I, <laughs> now at 30, I'd love him. You know, yeah. 30 is different. Right. Um, but 19, 19 is probably a bit too high for me in this draft, particularly where, you, you know, we talk about you know setting your expectations, but that said, this isn't. This is a very this is a very good draft for role players between uh, more or less between the lottery and uh, forty. Like there's mocks where Josh somebody of Josh Okoji's talent might go late, you know, in the, somewhere in the mid to late thirties. So, right. and he's he's super talented. He's got first round talent. So right. it's just it's just compartment you know having a quality tier list where. All right, this guy projects to be a two-way player. Let's take those guys in front of our one-way guys like Grayson Allen, who, I, you know, Grayson Allen has higher defensive upside 
than he probably showed at Duke. But yeah, we'll, we'll get to Grayson now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just back to Musa for a second. I'm, he reminds me a little bit of like Rudy Fernandez, kind of like fearless, um, kind of you know we'll we'll take the ball to the the hole and and try to finish there, even though he's not not the sturdiest when he gets there, but just kind of offensively skilled and a little bit crazy and not a good defender. <laughs> but also, on a side note, Rudy Fernandez just, just scored 27 points in that Spanish clincher, helping Doncic Rudy win that Fernandez. He's a He's a good player. <laughs> Rudy Fernandez is is not in the NBA because he chooses not to be in the NBA. Right. He, he could get a game. Like he could help. He could, Man, the Warriors could. The Warriors would flip out. Rudy Fernandez. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, he, he he's in Europe because he, you know, He'll never be the star uh, of an NBA basketball team the way he is at Real Madrid, but he's he's a monster. And if Musa if Musa ends up like that, then yeah. But uh, <laughs> like I said, I'm I'm not. You know, it, it's entirely possible he projects to be that. I, you know, I can't. I can only talk to what I've heard from other guys, and they're low. They're low on him, like uh, Sam Vecini and Brad Rowland, and uh, you know. Uh, the guys at ESPN Draft Express, like all the mock guys who write up about Musa, they like him, but just relative to this draft class in particular, I feel there are better guys ahead of him at 19. But, you know, like I said, if he's there at 30, uh, he's another guy I, I wouldn't bat an eyelash at. Okay. So who's who's somebody that if they pick, if the Hawks picked him at 19, you'd be kind of like, uh. Mitchell Robinson, who has lottery talent but there's just too much there is way too much smoke around him that doesn't have anything to do with his game right that scares me like he he just scares me um if you don't know who Mitchell Robinson is he he was a you know top 10 recruit in this year's draft class but uh he first he was he's committed to playing for Western Kentucky then some shenanigans went around, and he basically just never showed up to college and took the year off. Now, from reports I've heard, from the reports that uh, Jonathan Javoni at Draft Express uh, said that, you know, he was working on his game for that full year, but it's uncomfortable when a guy has an option to play basketball. Like, he could have gone to either Europe or Australia or the G League, somewhere to play, you know, organized basketball, and he didn't. That That's that's disconcerting. And then on top of that, uh, even in his workout, he's working on his dribble, dribble pull-up game, his three-point shot, which is nice. Uh, You know, you want to see bigs, you know, try to round out their game, but you know, that's not him. He's, he's a, he's an atypical big where he rolls hard. His role should be rolling hard to the rim and defending on offense and then on defense, you know, protecting the protecting the paint. Uh, he's super talented, and he's one of those guys where, you know, hey, if the Hawks, if the Hawks do take him, then maybe they know more than I do that they're confident that he can work through his issues. But when when guys have off, like he he hasn't been in real trouble, but it's just it's one of those things where his his background his background information that what, what, um, you know, mock draft guys are reporting about isn't the best. Right. And he took a year off. Like, that's just, 
<laughs> I don't know with him. He's uh, not that young either. Wise, no, no. He's, he's 20 not, already. But, yeah. He, Which he, for, you know, for somebody who never played college basketball, that's pretty old. Exactly. Now, he was going to be a threat. I mean, he's old like Mo Bamba is old. So that's right. that's not that big of a knock on him. But um, to me, I don't know. I'm, I'm uncomfortable drafting a guy who basically just took a year off of basketball. Now, you know, if, if they do take him and he turns out to, you know, he, he would not be the first guy who had concerns about him but was super talented to work out. Uh, that that worked out with Josh Smith way back in the day. Wow, that was, I guess that was way back in the day, 2004. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Way back in the day, like Josh Smith had, Josh Smith probably had similar concerns with him. Uh, but he he turned out to be a very good you know NBA basketball player. But um, to me, I don't know. I'd be weary on him. I maybe if he's there at thirty and thirty four, I'd think about it. But nineteen is too early. Even though his on his, on pure talent alone, he's a you know he's a he's a lottery big talent. But um, he, I don't know. He's a uh, he's a bit of a. He's, he's just a bit of he's a box, right? We just don't know what's in the box, so I'd 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 be I'd shy away from him if I were uh, the Hawks, but yeah. who knows? Well, the guy I cheated on this question, the the one thing that I put is, you know, I would be kind of meh if the Hawks did this at nineteen. Is just really drafting anybody? I just think it's kind of a a dead spot in the draft. I don't know that it's like a a real value pick unless. You know, you're very specifically getting somebody who you thought should have gone like 12 and have them trickle down. I just think there are a lot of names you could pick there that aren't really going to be a whole lot better than who you might be able to get at 30 or 35 or 40. It just seems kind of like the draft flattens out there a lot. That's fair. Um, I wouldn't, I would not disagree with that um, uh, opinion. At the same time, I do feel like the, the wings in this draft, uh, I, I do think there's a delineation between uh, Herder, Troy Brown, and uh, Jacob Evans, com- uh, who I think are who have starter talent compared to, you know, a Melvin Frazier. Melvin Frazier has starter talent too, but he's older. Uh, Melvin Frazier and a uh, actually don't know if there is any other you know wing and Musa and Musa as well who who are guys who are probably going to be coming off your off your bench and are you know one way guys who who have quality but you know aren't really staples in your rotation I, I while this I do think it's a flat draft I, at the same time I do think there's a there's a tier of separation another thing to look out for is that uh you know, some a, a good a good basketball player is going to fall um, from where they're projected to be in the lottery. Uh, I think, and I think the Hawks have the ammunition to maybe trade up and get somebody. Yeah, even if they, they just like, move up uh, to like fifteen, there might be somebody who's yeah. there that that really fell because they've got they've got cl- that Cleveland potential pick next year or whatever the rights to that is over the next few years. Top ten protected. That might be something that you know. It's already top or, 10 protected. You know, it's not that great. If you can use it to move up to 15 or 13 to get somebody that you really like, that might almost be worth it. Then, then you know. It, 
that that one would depend on the on the player to me. Exactly. Uh, just because, um, like, if you're super if you're super high on the guy, then yeah, go ahead because. We just don't know what Cleveland's going to be. That's it. I do think that that pick has more upside than, you know, because it's a chip, right? And I would I wouldn't just use it on on a guy who's just account to somebody at nineteen. Right. I'll just put it like that. Um, so we'll see. But um, um right. how about thirty then? Who who are the two players that that you think at thirty would be good values? I. Kind of named them. Uh, okay, I think I said Melvin Frazier. Okay, uh, Musa, and like I said, Musa. I like that. I don't really have any takes on them, but it's just you know they they seem like guys who maybe could become starters. Uh, All right, tell me what you Jacob think of mine. Then. How about Go ahead. Josh Okogi? You mentioned him before. We didn't get too far into him though. I think if he's there at thirty, that's that's a pretty good pick. Yeah. Um, I like him. He, uh, I wish he played for a better program so I can have a better idea of what he actually is. Uh, no disrespect, disrespect to my Georgia Tech fans, but <laughs> Josh Okoji was basically asked to be uh, their point guard, and he's not that. So he was asked to do things that were probably out, way out of his comfort zone. And to his credit, he, he, he played pretty well. But And that's a good thing to learn from. Like If you have a wing that played point guard, in college, like that experience, that can help yeah. in their skill development. Uh, mm, I, <laughs> there's pros and cons of that. Like what he was doing. Like there's a lot. The issue is that there's a lot of things in his game currently that he's just gonna have to just chop off because he's not talented enough to be doing it. Sure. So, and he's got to he's got to rein in his shot selection. I mean. There, because because he was asked to do more than he was capable of, there's just a lot he has to, there's a lot of fat he has to cut out of his game. But there's a good player. There's a good player in Josh Okoji. Uh you get him in you get him into you know, Hawks University, which now they left for Milwaukee, but I think I think there's still some guys uh who could uh help develop his game up to where he's a very good role player. Um, you know, people, I guess people are comparing to Iman Shumper because they kind of have a similar profile. They also went to Tech. They're just reaching on the Georgia Tech at, thing. <laughs> yeah, and and also both but, while both were at Georgia Tech, they were doing things that they shouldn't have been doing. And <laughs> you know, Shumpert's best best times in the NBA was when he was when he was just asked to be a guy a guy and play his butt off defensively. Right. Um, compared to when he's asked to create, so I like the Koji. Uh, who else you got for me? Mo Wagner. Mm, Mo, he's going to be bad defensively. Like, and my, I, I don't, I just don't see, I don't see the upside with him in particular. Uh, I feel like you can get a Mo Wagner undrafted in the undrafted market. He's 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 talented, but I mean. Just the the overall lack of defensive upside with him to me, I, I'd be a no on him. He's just not he's okay. not my type of basketball player. I mean, the reason I put him there is that I think his ability to attack a closeout is going to be more valuable in the NBA than even it was in the NCAA. I think that's going to be a good fit in the NBA. So you know, if you need to have somebody in there that's you know a reasonable defensive rebounder is a big. If you can do that, 
and and have him be a cog on offense where he can space the floor, but also, you know, attack aggressively attack a closeout. You talked about it last time. You said you know when you have a a guy who can shoot but can't attack a closeout, they're kind of useless. You can defend that mm. easily. I I think Wagner's handle is going to be enough that you know, he's going to be a little bit more like a oh I don't know Kelly Olynyk something like I mean, that. You know he, where you. He's he can space the floor, but also just kind of keep the offense moving if he gets closed out. The thing, though, is does he have the requisite athleticism to finish when he is attacking the closeout? Because I mean, if he can't, well, I think he does. Like if guard, maybe I, I mean, maybe I, I'm crazy. <laughs> I don't, I don't know his his athleticism. Like his blocking skills are terrible for a big, and I'm just right. like, yeah. There's only so much value you can provide. Like, I mean, you compared him to Kelly Olynyk. Kelly Olynyk had better numbers across the board at Gonzaga. That's why he went in a lot of. I don't. Yeah, but you're you know, playing at Gonzaga. I, you're playing. You're not playing the same level of competition, are you? Like the uh, conference play. I know they have a, a ridiculous non-conference schedule, but. Yeah, but Kelly Olynyk was. He's he's a, he's a better athlete. Like okay. yeah, I, I don't know how other to put it. Like I look at Mo Wagner, I see somebody who's just going to get dominated on both ends of the floor, and it's just like you're just going to be such a liability. It's not worth my time. Okay. Uh, like like I and I mean I I hope he's good. Uh, you know, Brad loves him. Uh, our mutual friend. Yeah, that I, should that should know, be like two strikes against him then. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Uh, All right, so who, who don't you like at 30? If the Hawks picked him at 30, you'd be uh, like, Ugh. I don't like Anthony Simons at all at any range of this draft. Uh, okay. To me, I don't, I don't see NBA basketball player. Uh, he looks like a middle schooler. Okay. In his, <laughs> like in his face and in his overall build, like he does, he does not look like a, he, he does not look like he was, like an NBA basketball player, and also, and at the around the AAU circuit this past year, as an older you know senior, fifth year senior in high school, you know he was okay, but he didn't dominate. Right. So, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I don't want, you know, he he has the idea like there's there's less of a fit with me for him compared to like. Hamadou Diallo, right? Who went to a similar situation last year? Who probably should have came out. The difference is that Diallo is bigger. He's six sure. seven with a seven foot wingspan. Yep. You know, Simon's Simon's is under. I don't. I'm not sure he, if he's 180 pounds, uh, and he's only six four. It's just, and he's not a point guard. I mean, he, he's athletic, but it's like, I mean, how do you I mean, use it on a basketball? So yeah, how are you going to use it on, on an NBA basketball court with, with grown men? Exactly. Yeah, they're they're just they're just not going to let you rise up off the floor. Yeah. Uh, so that's my concern with him. I, and it's just like he's not going to see a single minute of NBA basketball next season. He's going to be purely in the G League. And to me, there are like a guy as talented as Josh Koji is going to be there at thirty and thirty four. So I would I would hold off on on drafting an unknown like Simon. I I take a flyer on him around the forties or fifties. Okay. For me personally, but 
I hear you. I, I would. Uh, it is he one of those players that you know you kind of wait and see and think about maybe maybe if you could do it you know would you want to kind of sneak in and swoop him up for a second contract but you don't want to touch the first one. Oh uh, well, at I that mean, point, at that point you know. You know yeah, at that point, you know, and he also doesn't have the uh, – he, he's not really a blue-chip prospect. Right. You do that – like, you do that with a guy like um, – what's his name for Orlando? Uh, Mario Hazonia. Right. That, that's – and he was a – you know, he was a top – he was a top five, five talent in yeah. that draft class. Mm-hmm. He was number five overall draft pick. That, that's the type of basketball player you, you take a second flyer on just because – the upside is still there, and he's still incredibly young. Me, Simon, I, to me, it feels like his entire draft process has been built around not getting exposed. <laughs> uh, you know, I so agree. I'm just keep that canvas blank. Yeah, so they're they're just trying to, they're you know, his agent's done a good job of keeping him out of scenarios where he has to go up against, you know, guys who can give him real problems. So I. That's a that's a no for me. Uh, um, just okay. Stay away from the from the young guy until sometime in the forties, where you know at that point you just you just picking highest upside dude available. My my please no at thirty is Grayson Allen. I just he reminds me a little bit of the guy in Portland, Pat Connaughton. Like he's. He's athletic and he can shoot and he tries real hard, but I think he's six four. His athleticism is kind of a kind of a load up and get to it kind of athleticism. I I don't know. I I can see him being kind of a bit player as like a tenth man or something, but I don't think I want the Hawks picking him at thirty, especially given that he's twenty two or twenty three years old, whatever he is at this point. <laughs> I guess guess this is our first real disagreement because I I'd love him at 30. Grayson Allen is though. Grayson Allen is a better basketball player than Pat Connaughton was at Notre Dame. Like okay. Grayson Allen I think their NBA careers are gonna be the same. Let me let me put it this way. I thought Grayson Allen is a better basketball player than um who did Detroit pick last season from Duke? Kennard? Yeah, Luke Kennard. He he yeah, was a better fair. basketball player than Luke Kennard. That's fair. And, uh, <laughs> so and I mean he was for four years he was consistently Duke's guy. Where and uh, I don't know. I've watched enough of his game. I'm I'm comfortable saying he's going to be a good NBA role player. Uh, his he might he's one of those. You know, I I did say Kevin Herter was top three shooter in this draft. Grace Allen is probably top five along with him and. Uh, and uh, Jerome Robinson, just like his shot, his shot is pure. And uh, you know, he's. A, I hate to do the intangible things with guys. Oh no! You, you can't measure that. You can't. There's no way to. There's no way to statistically measure that. That said, like he hates. He actually hates to lose. A lot of people say that. Right. He means it. And um, I don't know. He he used and. I've said this before multiple times. He used to be an actually good defender, I think, in the NBA, where he's not asked to play point guard because he was also playing out of position at Duke. They asked him to basically run the team, and he's not a point guard. But 
if he's asked to be just a role player and um, fight hard defensively, he'll do that for you. I, you know, he's a do whatever it takes to win guy. I, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've wanted the Hawks to take him for since his sophomore year, uh, but he kept going back to Duke because I don't know. Duke, I guess Duke's a great place to go to be a superstar at 20 years old, but uh, I would disagree. But um, okay, I, he's he's talented and he's he's. He's a better he's a better defender than what he showed at Duke. I, I'm I'm I've I've watched enough to say I'm comfortable in saying that because his freshman year, um, you know, it was him and uh, he really did propel that team to another level defensively. They turned it up in the tournament in part because he was bringing up pressure on opposing point guards, and I think he can he could do a similar role definitely because he's got the weight behind him. Um, you know, he's very strong and. He'll do all the dirty tricks necessary to be good defensively uh, when you're only six. He's four supposed to be strong. He's like an old man. <laughs> what? Well, he wasn't an old man freshman year. He okay. Was doing the same thing. So. All right. Uh, I mean, he's always been strong, and and like I said, to me, he's a be- he's functionally a better basketball player than Luke Kennard was. Um, like he's better than Luke Kennard, and uh, but at the same time, Luke projects to be a two guard where. Uh, you know, Grace Allen is just a tweener, so he's probably primarily going to be coming off the bench. But I take a flyer on him at thirty, and I wouldn't think about it, uh, especially with his shot profile. Same with uh, Dante Divincenzo. Okay, if you uh, had to pick I between top, those two, who I, I, would you pick? Which which one? Of, pick, give me one of those two. Dante, just because he's more, he's the more. Excuse me, sorry. To me, he's the more talented basketball player. That said. Um, I wouldn't argue strongly that Grayson Allen is the better shooter, primarily because Dante, oddly enough, only shot like 71% from free throw line. Right. And for a guy who projects to be a great shooter, that that doesn't bode well for him, especially at the NBA. Even though he did shoot from NBA range in college, yep. that's a concern for him. But, uh, you know, Dante's a bit bigger. Uh, and and that's, that's, basically, that's basically the uh, – the difference is that Dante's probably a little bit taller and has a larger standing reach. So I'd probably choose him over Grayson, but I doubt Dante will be there at 30. He's got too much, you know, he's got too much uh, hype around him. So, but we'll see. Do you want to throw around any, any names at 34 or is that pretty much the same as 30 or do you got, got a couple more you want to put out Mm -hmm. there? Uh, 34 is roughly the same because, you know, Somebody like Grayson Allen could be there at 34. Um, so it just, it really is going to depend how this draft unfolds. Uh, but you know the Hawks are going to get a first round talent uh, in the third in at, at that 34th spot. Uh, but a guy if they're going to take a flyer on somebody at 34, maybe take a flyer on Hamadou Diallo, even though he he was terrible at basketball last season. Like right. he's, he's just not a good basketball player right now. But at the same time. He's a super athlete. He's big, and he projects. He's got a. He's got a. He's got a. He doesn't have a jump shot now, but you know, his there's nothing uh, wrong with it, so it could get there. And you know, if you coach him up, you might get a steal at, at with him at 34. But I would prefer the Hawks go with a safer route on that end. Just get to me. Just get a. 
just get a guy who's going to who's going to be on this roster on this team. And Diallo is the type of talent to where, yeah, he might he might uh, pan out, but at the same time, he might be out the league after his rookie season just because he's so bad in the G League or whatever. So right. he's a he's a high risk guy at 34, but I wouldn't mind the Hawks taking a swing at him. Um, another guy maybe. Uh, Costas Antetokounmpo. Uh, That's Giannis I was brother. glad you brought up Diallo because I wanted to bring up Costas Antetokounmpo because I, if I had a pick between those two, I think I'd take Antetokounmpo and not because I have any grand visions of him being Giannis. He's not, but he has legitimate, like, really good NBA size. Yeah, um, I think you know if you look. At what he was doing in college and what he's projected at, you know, they say power forward. I just think that the way the game is going, you know, he might be, he might be what you want out of a center. You know, if you coach him up the right way, and I know he's going to be, you know, he's not, he's not strong enough to do that yet. But you know, he could kind of be in a couple of years what Kavon Looney was for the Warriors this this postseason. After a couple of seasons, you know, kind of a a big guy who can you know hold his own defensively. You know, do reasonable number of things on offense. I think that, you know, Kostas, you know, he's, he's not Giannis. He doesn't have the same hand size. He doesn't have the same handle. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't project in any way like him. But he's, if you watch what he did well when he did things at Dayton, you know, he looks like a guy who can, you know, even though he has a 7-3 wingspan, he can put the ball on the floor and, and do things like Euro steps and, uh, you know, make enough defensive rotations that he can protect the rim at his size that I don't know. He's a project that I would, I would be willing to take. And I know he's probably not even projected to be like a second rounder in most mock drafts, but I don't know. Number 34 picks historically are just terrible picks anyway. So if I had to use that to secure his rights, I think I'd be willing for the, to take that chance. The only thing with him, I would say, honestly, with right. him, even in, even with Diallo as well, right? Uh, if you love him, you can probably just buy. Well, it's not my money. It's uh oh yeah, I'd be fine with money. that too. Yeah, but spend the three and a yeah, half. Yeah, yeah, I would just, it. I would just, yeah, I'd just pay the money and then draft him without. Oh, yeah. And I wouldn't think about it because yeah, absolutely. Like uh, Costas, I, I I think he's a center as well, um, and. Um, you know he's got he's got he's got the peripherals, got the measurements. Uh, he he's got the functional athleticism. He just you know he just needs to build up his game, and you know you get him in a G League setting and work with him, work on his uh work on his skill set of what he needs to be in order to be good in this league. Then absolutely he can be a good player, you I know a good role player. Like, mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, and and if you look at his history, you know he. He won like a state championship in his senior year of high school. And then he has a redshirt year. And then this last year at Dayton, you know, they have a coaching change and his father died. And I just think that, yeah. you know, that's, that's about as, as, that's about the worst setup you could have for a one and done as far as showcasing your college game. I just, I don't think he had things go his way really the last 12 months or so. And I, I don't know. I'd be willing to take that chance. I think you know, he shot some ridiculously awful percentage from three to like 11% or something. But I think, 
you know, if you just look at his form, I think it's actually better than Giannis's. Like that's one way. That's like the only thing that he could possibly be better than Giannis at. I think he's got reasonable form, and I, and I think for a guy his size, like you know, over the past few years, not maybe the last last two, but like in the years before the last couple of years, his body did so much growing and so much changing that that really can screw up a jump shot. But I think he's been playing basketball for quite a bit now. I think I think his form looks pretty good. I mean, I, I think that's something that could be coached up. Like I said, if you love him, I like if they love him, I wouldn't have I wouldn't bet an eyelash at them taking a, him at thirty four <laughs> at all. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if he has a better jump shot than Giannis, only because to me I fi- I find I'm a uh, big Giannis under the Kupo fan, and I find that his problems with his shooting is mental. Okay. Uh, where he's thinking too much. Where Costas, I look at his jumper, and it's a very, you know, it's a, it's a slow release, and it also didn't go like the only sample I have of him, it was in college, and it didn't really go in. So, right. and you know, you watch some of his uh, workout tape, and he, like that's not a that's not a jump shot he's going to be able to get off in the NBA. So he he's got some work to do on that end, but. Um, but but like you said, uh, uh, he's he's got he's got the size and the talent for it. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a problem with him at thirty four. I I think a good comparison for him actually is Son McCour, right? Um, from Milwaukee. Um, just similar guys where you just you're you're really you're drafting on the the potential more than the production. Right. And McCurk uh, can shoot. But at 30, I mean, he, he, he could shoot. Yeah. And Costas can't. Yeah. But I think Costas probably has a better handle. Like, I think he's going to be better in transition and better attacking closeouts and things like that. He's also bigger. So that, that helps. I Thon's biggest issue is that he's, he's light and he can't really rebound. Like his, his defensive rebounding is pathetic for a center. <laughs> and I think Costas, I mean, it, it is, but I think Costas has, like, he's got a lot, he's a lot bigger than, it, he's bigger than Giannis. So he, I, I don't know what he weighed in at the combine, but he looked to be around the 230-ish, 225. Right. So that's, that's good size for what he is. So um, I'd have no problem with the Hawks taking him there. Yeah. All right. You know, this is going to be our last chance to to get things on the record before the draft. You want anything on the record here before it actually goes down? Well, things to look for is just that uh, trades. The Hawks are probably going to make a trade, whether it be to move up or down, or um, to get get out out to you know maybe look for a good deal for Dennis Schroeder or Ken Bazemore. Not that. Not that the Hawks wouldn't like to have both of those guys back. It's just that since the Hawks are rebuilding, they're going to be looking, you know, they're, you know, th- those two guys are more or less veterans who they're are on a different timeline winning. than the Hawks are. Yeah, they're on. They're just on a different timeline, and so they, so like the Hawks might look to move them, and the best time to do that is on draft night. So if you're a fan, look out for that. Yeah, the the. the... Draft night's really like the new trade deadline. The trade deadline sucks. Everybody's like, oh, trades for the trade deadline, and then nothing really happens. But, like, draft night, because that's when that's when the action happens. Yeah, and also look for the Hawks, because that was the big thing where the Hawks didn't – the Hawks wanted to trade at Ersan and Marco, but they were required to take money back. 
Mm-hmm. Look for the Hawks to look for the Hawks to be taking money back in in this draft in particular, and maybe getting either future first round picks or a first round pick this year. Don't expect it to be too anything too lofty, but there are a bunch of teams that are that are in the tax that need to get off money, and the Hawks are Hawks are in prime position to to take on a bad contract to uh, to get a, a good uh, draft pick, whether it be in, prefer probably in the first round. So. That's another thing to watch out for. But uh, outside of that, I'm I'm pretty tapped, man. You, you stretched my knowledge deep going with uh, – I was like, man, uh, I don't know much about Costas, but I just know – I just know – I I knew – yeah, I knew his background stuff. But, uh, you know, you, you, you're getting me for all, my, all I was worth. Uh, so appreciate that. <laughs> all right. Well, very good. All right, well, draft night, Thursday night, we'll have to get together uh, shortly after and figure out what the Hawks actually have in their, in their draft booty. Maybe that's a bad phrase, draft booty, but uh, I don't know. They're, they're going to get a haul here. They've, they've got some picks, so let's see. Let's see what they do. Excited. All right, man. That's a, it's a wrap then? Yep, yep. All right, have a good one, sir. Uh, I'll Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. Wait, are we are we done recording or <laughs> I'm so confused. Oh, you know what? That's all right. We, yeah, we're gonna have to come up with a a signature ending or something here. We're a, gonna, yeah, yeah. We're, we're just fumbling idea. over the awkwardness, and and that's okay. It's only our second episode together. Uh, yeah, we gotta come up with ending. <laughs> always, always end with so please subscribe and rate five stars or something like that. Do you that. have anything you want to, you want to tout? I mean, you, 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 is this your Twitter profile still private? I don't, do you have anything to tout? Uh, no, my, my Twitter profile is still private. Uh, so I'll be private. Go they, follow Tyler and it, it'll hit your, your, uh, your request to follow him. will just kind of hang in the ethernet there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jonesy two eight four. And oh, maybe perfect. I, maybe I'll... perfect ending. Now we're gonna have a, a phone ring in the background to go with everything else here. <laughs> we really did well on this ending. Uh, that's too much work. Uh, All right, so Jonesy um, two by four. Oh, perfect, Jonesy two by four, and uh, go follow and and maybe you'll get to follow him when his account is uh, not private anymore. Most definitely. <laughs> All right, All right, Kevin. All right, worst ending. Worst ending ever is over. Have a good one. You too.